For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's word and thrive in Christian living. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be discussing the significance of women in work. You know, most of our waking hours are filled with working in some capacity, and we ought to devote serious thought and consideration to what the Bible has to say about it. You know, the challenges of balancing work and life are a common struggle so many of us face. We question our career choices. We are wondering how to glorify God through our work and figure out how to navigate the complexities of being a Christian in the workplace, in the home, or with the kids. Because even if you don't receive a paycheck for your work, you are still working. Work in any form, in fact, is an act of cultivation, an opportunity to make something or someone better. So if we don't address the challenges surrounding our work-life balance, we risk missing out on the beauty, truth, and hope that we can bring to the world. In today's episode, Chelsea Patterson Sabalik, author of the book Called to Cultivate, a Gospel Vision for Women in Work, dives deep into these questions, providing a solid theological foundation and practical rhythms that can help us flourish in our work. Chelsea is the author of Longing for Motherhood, Holding on to Hope in the Midst of Childlessness, and works in Washington, D.C. as the Director of Government Relations for a nonprofit organization. Previously, she's worked for the leading evangelical child welfare organization in the country, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and on Capitol Hill. Chelsea has been published at the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, the Gospel Coalition, Christianity Today, and other outlets. Chelsea was adopted as a newborn from Bucharest, Romania. She grew up in North Carolina and holds a BA in International Relations from Liberty University. She and her husband, Michael, are also building their family through international adoption and have recently welcomed their son home from India. Please welcome Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, Chelsea, what a joy. Congratulations on your adoption. How is motherhood going? Oh my goodness, it's a huge transition, but I mean, the best transition in the world. Um, Yeah, our son's two and a half, so we went from zero children to a toddler um, who doesn't speak English, but he's learning very quickly, so a huge transition, but I mean, we are just delighted and think we have the best little boy in the entire world. I'm sure every parent says that, though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, how adorable. Well... I'm really just, it's such a joy to be able to talk to you today. Your, just your work background and your heart for serving others is just so evident. I want to start out by having you tell us just a little bit about your background. And I found it fascinating how 
God kind of diverted your plans. You had all these plans for yourself. Um, and they you ended up from going from West Africa to Washington, D.C. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So I, as you mentioned in my bio, um, was born overseas and I've always had a, a deep passion and love for the nations. Um, my parents before, um, I'm one of six children, all adopted internationally, um, but before children, they, they lived in West Africa and um, my dad's an architect and they physically helped build churches there. And so I grew up hearing their stories of living abroad having been born um, abroad myself. And I had this big desire to move overseas and do some type of um, work on with people who are vulnerable. And so I studied international relations, planning to move overseas and to make uh, a long story short, God majorly redirected my steps to the Washington DC area. And I always say God has a sense of humor because so many people, their entire career desires and ambitions are to live and work here. And that was not mine. Um, And I feel like I kind of stumbled into the the work that I I do now. But of course, God has, um, you know, directed my steps here. And I've been here almost 11 years now and really, really developed a passion and a love for public policy. And the cool thing that I love about what I do and where I do it is the nations are here. I mean, so many people from around the globe live and work or immigrate to the Washington, D.C. area. So God, in a very um, roundabout way, really answered my desire to live and work among people from different nations. Um, but I also have gotten to work on public policies that touch international relations. Um, right now I do refugee and immigration public policy, and I, I love it. I think I have one of the best jobs in the world. Oh, I really could sense your passion for what you do as you put it forth in your book as well. And mm-hmm. your book, Called to Cultivate, you're you're discussing the concept of women specifically, right? In work and through this biblical lens. Why don't you share with us just what what your research showed you when you looked at what scripture says about the value and the worth of work for women specifically? Yes, yes. Well, this was such a fun book to write because I got to just read so many books on on the topic of of work. Um, But one of the things that I love about what scripture says about work is that work predates the fall. On the very first page of Genesis, we see a God at work creating the world with his words. Um, Of course, we know he created Adam and Eve. And one of the things that I think is really crucial to note here about work and women in work is that when God blessed Adam and Eve, he gave both of them the creation mandate. Um, So the calling to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and the call to subdue and cultivate the earth. He gave it to both men and women. And so both genders are commanded and called to subdue and exercise dominion over the earth. And one of the ways through which humans um, image God to the world is through working. And women from the very first woman from Eve had played a vital role in the flourishing of um, their families, church, their communities, and the kingdom of God through their work. And I think it's really important to note, too, I mean, we've seen work change in pretty drastic ways 
um, throughout history. Um, certainly throughout the past 100, 100 years, work has changed immensely. But um, for us today, living and working in you know, 2024, um, most, the majority of women work in some capacity, whether that's inside the home, raising children, maybe caring for aging parents, um, working outside the home, maybe working inside the home and trying to balance a side job. You know, all of us are spending our days working. We might just not always receive a paycheck for it. And so I really do think we should give serious thought and consideration to not only what scripture says about work, because it actually has quite a lot to say about work, but um, how we as women steward steward the work that, that God has called us to do. And the reality is work does look different for women than it does men. And so that does have some unique challenges and opportunities. Um, but I think obviously we see work in, in the first pages of, of Genesis and we know the fall has marred everything. I will be the first to raise my hand and say, I feel the impacts of the fall on my yes. work every single day. Um, but I think the good news of scripture of the gospel is that sin doesn't have the final say with our work. Um, the gospel is, is telling us and inviting Christians um, into the, the redeeming and restoration um, narrative of, of history. Um, and God's redeeming all things, including work um, to himself. And so, um, you know, not only does sin have an impact on our work, um, the gospel also has, has an impact and has ought to restructure how we, how we work, why we work, how we think about work, everything about our lives. Um, so that was a, a long answer to a, a shorter question, but the Bible is not silent on the topic of work and the Bible is not silent on women and, and work. Yeah, it absolutely, you're correct. You know, right. We were created to work. And like you said, it, but that can look very different for each one of us. I found it interesting that you kind of have the math in the book here. It says that we spend 90,000 hours of our lives working. It's a lot of hours. <laughs> I mean, it, you can't even really wrap your mind around what that is. But tell us um, it, what it means to be, as we are created in God's image, like how does that relate to the biblical call to work? Absolutely. And I, I want to be careful in saying work is how we image God, because there are people um, who can't work, um, who might have um, a physical disability or um, a mental um, disability that prevents them from working. So I want to be very careful and not make the blanket statement that work is how we image God. It is one of the ways mm -hmm. through which um, humans can can image God. But when we work, um, which, you know, a lot of us spend the majority of our time working, when we work, um, we are um, not only participating in one of the ways through which um, God created humanity to image himself. Um, we're also showing the world um, what God is like and, and what he cares about. And that's why I think we should be very thoughtful in our work because everything we do and say, whether or not it's in a corner office, um, you know, on the C-suite level, stocking shelves at Walmart, you know, caring everything we do 
um, does if we, if, you know, we publicly identify ourselves as Christians, tells the world something about who God is and what he is like. And in our work, you know, I think the two big undergirding factors in our work, and and this can play out a million different directions, is loving God through our work and loving our neighbor through our work um, and glorifying God through our work. And again, this looks different. I mean, it's looked, I've had five jobs in DC. It's looked different for me. Um, I just stepped into to motherhood. Um, it looks different for us in different seasons of life, but what never changes is that we can seek to love God and love others through our work. Um, and I, I think I've, I've found the temptation that, you know, we can step into the, the doors of our workplace and, and almost forget that we are called to be Christian there or to get caught up in the busyness and, and um, not give our work the 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 thought that I think Christians should approach our work with. Sure. Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our in-depth Bible study academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Yeah. Well, you talk about this idea of redemptive work. Tell us what you mean by that and how that really transforms our approach to work. Absolutely. So I really, really dug into um, basically how to be a Christian in the workplace after, and I write about this in the book, but I was working on Capitol Hill and my, to make a uh, long story short, my boss resigned um, and I lost my job. And um, the job I, I took after that, I really did not enjoy um, at all. And so I was I was kind of on the opposite end of this, on Capitol Hill, it was my dream job. I was doing what I loved, working on issues I cared about. And then the opposite end of the spectrum, I went to a job that I literally just felt like I was doing to pay the bills. And so I was really thinking through, does God care about my professional life? Where is God when I'm doing work that I don't enjoy? How do I glorify God in a job I'm not thrilled about? Um, I mean, could God still use me in a difficult job? Like all of those questions I was really, really wrestling with. Um, and I I would imagine I'm not the only one who's, who's felt those things. Um, I think, you know, the question I was really wrestling with is how does God redeem my work? It was very easy to see um, or to feel like my work mattered when I was in a job I loved. But when I was in a job I did not enjoy at all, um, I really wrestled with where, how how can I still use this season well to glorify God? Um, and I think one of the things as a Christian, 
um, you know, we're not only telling the world what God is like, um, there's, there's a couple things that um, we can grasp onto in redemptive work. Um, the first is work as worship. So the Hebrew word, um, and I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce it because I think I've mispronounced it publicly before, but the Hebrew term um, that uh, is used in scripture simultaneously actually means work, worship, and service. And the first time this term is used um, is in Genesis 2, um, telling us about God's original design for work um, and how work and worship seamlessly go together. Um, and so I think we can view our work and I should caveat by saying there are certain types of work that are sinful. Um, but I mean, for the vast majority of us, we're sending emails or doing, you know, expense reports or um, this work that is, is neutral. Um, it's not sinful work. Um, but we can view our work as one of the ways through which we worship God. And I think that's re that really reoriented my perspective because I stepped into that workplace. I, I was the only Christian that I knew of. I, I really tried to adopt the mindset that everything I do tells my coworkers something about who God is and what he's like. But also the act of me going to this job that I don't enjoy is one of the ways I can worship God because, and this is the second pillar I think we can kind of hold on to. Like I said earlier, work is one of the ways through which we love our neighbor. And Martin Luther has this quote that I love. He said, God doesn't need your good works, but our neighbor does. Aww. And so really stepping back and saying, okay, how does my work, um, help humans flourish? How does my work help me to love my neighbor? And for some, for some roles, it's easy to kind of see um, the direct tie. And for others, you know, you might need to take a couple steps back. I read about this example in the book, but I wrote several chapters on my laptop in a coffee shop. And for that moment to happen, so many other people had to do their job well. I mean, people so much harder than me created my computer and um, the coffee and the milk and my latte and the person who built the chair and all of these different things helped me to flourish in that moment because I was able to sit down and type out words on a computer. So I think holding these two pillars into restructuring how we think about work, that work is a way we worship and it's a way that we love our neighbor will really help us view our work redemptively and not just transactionally as a way to get a paycheck or as a way to get to the end of the day so we can relax. Um, I really think it helps us restructure our vision for what work even is. Absolutely. You know, when you, um, you know, talk about this experience that you had doing a job that was um, not your favorite, <laughs> um, I can remember a time as well in my life where I had a job in a work environment that just wasn't ideal. And I just remember how God blessed me one day when I walked over to another worker's cubicle and I was kind of like looking at her pictures on there. And I don't remember specifically what the picture was, but I knew she was a Christian. And mm. it was at that moment, like I I just felt such joy. I'm like, okay, I was so excited to know. Mm -hmm. And it turned out we even went to the same church. It's just that oh my she goodness. went to a different service than I did. And 
So, you know, God has a way too of blessing us in mm. in different ways. Tell us, like, like what would you say to someone right now who is in that position of having a a job that's very difficult? Like, does scripture give us any indication of a better way to work or how can we um, practically work well? Yes, I love this question. I think one of the things that I have clung to in honestly really great jobs that I find a lot of fulfillment in and harder jobs is one of the promises in scripture. Um, the, the promise that God says he'll never leave or forsake us. And yes, that those promises have deeply rooted me in moments of you know deep suffering, deep hardship, but it's also helpful for me to remember in those moments where I feel really unseen in my labors, where it feels like no one is appreciating what I'm doing, or, um, you know, I've had a boss who is very harsh to me in their language. And, you know, it can, I can feel an inch high in those moments and, or, you know, changing another diaper that no one's going to click like on Instagram or all of those types of things. Um, or that, that hidden work or that frustrating work where it feels like, oh, I'm the only one who feels this way or I'm the only one who is really trying to do a good job here. You know, whatever that, that feeling is for us, I have found it very helpful to remember that God promises never to leave or forsake me. And that means in those moments when I feel so unseen, so undervalued, um, or where I do feel very valued and have a temptation to, um, you know, boast or be, you know, um, proud. Um, It's almost a leveling agent for me because um, remembering God never leaves or forsakes me in my worst moments and in my best moments. And so for, for me and for, I think others to remember in those moments where we feel like we cannot go to work one more day or we feel so unseen in our labors at home. Um, God, God knows and God sees us. And that might sound simple to say, but when I allow that truth to seep deep, deep, deep into my heart, it reorients everything because I know that there's no wasted time or wasted moments in God's kingdom. And that in those moments of, you know, frustration um i can allow those moments to um invite god into um, his spirit in prayer i can um you know maybe it's a season where i'm learning (laughs) patience more or all of these things and and so really trusting that god means it when he says he'll never leave or forsake us so that means he's with me in those those hard moments um and then also i think remembering god's God's care for us um, in those moments too has really helped me um, see outside of myself and see um, see God's goodness and um, presence in those difficult moments. Mm-hmm. This really ties in so beautifully to the sermon that our pastor did on Sunday. Mm-hmm. When you said that, he just started the book of Daniel and. God is telling 
the Israelites that they're going to be going into exile, but which, you know, could, is a difficult situation, um, similar to how you could have a difficult, you know, time in your life as well. But he's saying, I will be with you. And not only will I be with you, but I will go before you. Mm. And so I do love what you said. I think that that we can take such encouragement from that. And mm-hmm. tell me, um, Chelsea, so in the area that you've been working at um, helping people and they're facing many times very difficult circumstances. Has there ever been someone that's kind of stood out to you that you saw sort of clinging to these truths to help them? It's a great question. I I've worked in both secular work environments and Christian work environments. And it's actually really interesting to see the some of the differences I mean on face value of course there's massive differences but um kind of like you were saying in that job where you um discovered you know oh you too you're a Christian too in some of the secular work environments um I've had um other I've you know there have been groups that have been started for other Christians working on Capitol Hill for example and it's been really helpful to come together and see other people who are striving not only to be excellent in their job. And I think I actually do think Christians should strive for excellence. And, um, you know, I I think we should do everything with excellence, but, um, but are navigating some of those really difficult things that that job uniquely brings. Mm -hmm. And so I have, I've been encouraged to have like-minded colleagues um, walking through similar paths and seeking to um, rightly apply the word of God to to their work. Um, so that, that's been encouraging. Um, when I first moved to, to DC, um, I had so many people say, why would you move there? It's, you know, a godless place and all of this. Mm-hmm. And number one, God's presence is everywhere. Yes. Um, but number two, when I first moved here, I was blown away by the amount of Christians here seeking to um love love justice do mercy um and and love their neighbor through their work but there's so many faithful churches here too and um i think it's really detrimental when we write off types of workplaces you know working in the government you can't ever you know accomplish anything or even places you know god could never do anything there you know nothing good comes from nazareth you know that type of mentality and um, seeing people up close and personal and then wanting to share, you know, there are people all over the world, <laughs> all over DC, um, who are seeking to take scripture and rightly apply it to to their work. And I mean, of course, we see people twisting scripture too, um, but there are really committed, faithful people. Um, and I mean, the reality is like, we will never know many of their like they're never going to be on the front page of the news but their their quiet faithful work will have impacts on history both in washington dc and rural wherever someone lives um knowing that even if our names and faces are never on um, a newspaper or if we're not you know a big name on instagram or twitter whatever um, that our work um 
will still touch the lives of others and have impacts um, not only in this life, but through throughout eternity, I think is really um, a really cool thing to, to root ourselves to and knowing that we can do good work wherever God has called us in whatever season he's called us into. Mm-hmm. So true. In your book, you say that while work is deeply meaningful, it shouldn't be ultimate in our lives. We were created to work, but we were also created for rest, play, and pleasure. So tell us how that sort of ties into the concept of Sabbath rest and the importance of how women sort of need to have this balance. I love this question. And, you know, I, again, going back to the very first pages of scripture, we see God create time, but then also orient humanity to time. So um, he modeled for us. He worked six days and then ceased to work his a seventh um, and, and demonstrated that rhythm of working six days, ceasing a seventh, um, a Sabbath, if you will. Um, so that's kind of a, a weekly rhythm. Um, but built into our days are actually daily rhythms of humanity needing to stop working. Um which is sleep. I mean, God created evening and God created morning or day. Um, And so I think one of the things that I love about how God structured time is we have daily and weekly rhythms that he's instituted for us. And for me, at least, it reminds us of my limitations because I love my job. I love working. I mean, again, I've been in seasons where that's not the case, but I have a temptation to overwork and not stop working. And so needing to go to bed. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I have a toddler. I get tired by 8 p.m. now. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a reminder that um, we need to sleep and that God upholds the world um, while we sleep and while we rest. And it's a reminder that we are humans and honestly a reminder of the bigness of God that he holds the whole world in his hand. And so um, I think as Christians, um, I mean, our society is addicted to busyness, absolutely addicted. Um, but I really think we should um, structure our lives in a way that, again, like you know, work is very important, but it's not ultimate. And it, it was never meant to bear the, the weight of our identities. Um, we're so much more than workers. Um, you know, we are members of churches, members of communities, members of families, and all of those things are very important as well. So, um, you know, I, I, I think people of good faith dis- can disagree on whether um, Sabbath is still a commandment that we ought to um, obey. However, I do think there's wisdom in honoring it. Um, the, the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew term Shabbat. Um, and the word Shabbat means he rested. Um, and the first, I love this so much because it ties back into um, restructuring our identity. But the first mention of the word Sabbath is actually not in Genesis. It's in Exodus um, 16. So Shabbat's used in Genesis. Sabbath is used in Exodus when God is leading the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. Um, as God's chosen people, he's teaching them a new way of living um, and he promises to sustain them with his presence. And so 
I think when we choose to step back one day a week, um, it doesn't have to be Sunday, but when we choose to honor God with our time and step back and rest, I think it loosens our grip on our idols and leads us out of the slavery that we are tempted into. Again, it can look different. Our idols look different. You know, mine is a temptation to overlook. And so when I, my to-do list most days is longer by the end than <laughs> start of the day. Yeah. And it, I, I mean, if I wanted to, I could never stop working, but choosing to lay down my idol of um, overworking or my idol of, um, you know, whatever it is and choosing to rest. I really do think that God honors that. Um, and I, I think that it's one of the ways that we can live on God's time and not the world's time. Mm, I completely agree. And I struggle honestly with the very same thing, like just unplugging mm-hmm. because that to-do list is just goes on and on and on and it never s- stopped. In fact, I was it never stops. <laughs> you know, we have these electronic calendars now that you can put on repeat and it says, when, when is this going to end? And never, <laughs> never. Yes. It's like, Oh my goodness. Um, but I do think at least for me to kind of get through that is just prayer and asking God to prioritize and being intentional about taking that time for rest. Mm -hmm. And I know for me personally, like I have been trying to really take that um, one day of rest, but it's at night where I have a hard time like stopping what I'm doing because I'm working from home and um, it can be challenging to do that. Me but, too. <laughs> but what I found is, is if I stop and allow myself to have some type of a creative outlet, that I feel so much more refreshed. And I think it does um, help me to, you know, make my life feel fuller and richer and doesn't get depleting. Well, as we start to wrap things up here, you have so many other great topics um, within this book that we could talk about, including networking and mentorship. And I'd like to just sort of wrap up with the what words of encouragement would you have for the person who feels just unseen or like their work isn't making a difference or just doesn't even matter? Mm. I think um, I'm going to steal this phrase from Eugene Peterson that I love, which he actually borrowed the phrase from from someone else, but um, committing to the long obedience in the same direction. And, um, you know, as women, our, our life is much more seasonal than men in, in many different ways, but um, fixing our eyes on the thing that never changes, which is um, our calling to obediently follow Christ wherever he leads us. Um, and so that long obedience in the same direction, remembering that um, we're, we're not necessarily called to success. And I think we should um like I said earlier, be excellent and we should strive for success, but that's not our calling as Christians. We're not called to necessarily be successful. We're called to live faithful and obedient lives. And so I think whenever we are following Christ and seeking to um, obey obey his commandments, um, that we can trust that no matter how 
insignificant or unseen um, we feel. Um, the, the, the things that God deems important are very different from the world's. And so um, remembering that our value and worth does not come from the size of our paycheck, from the you know, titles be behind our name, um, or the lack thereof, that our ultimate um, calling, um, value, worth, dignity comes from God. And so we can root, um, we can root all of our ourselves, um, all of our time, all of our, our days in that promise that um, not one tear that we shed will, will be forgotten by God, that he keeps our, our, our tears in a bottle. So when we are in deep moments of, of pain and struggle, um, or when we're on the mountaintop, that everything um, has meaning not only for today, but for eternity. And so I, I think the, the thing I would, you know, almost close with and encourage other sisters with is, um, you know, commit, put put our heads and our visions um, and fix our eyes on, on Christ. And I don't mean this to be a cheesy church answer. I mean it. I say this because it has changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I can't go one day without um, the help of the Holy Spirit because life's too hard. Yeah. If I'm honest, life's too hard to, I, I can't do it all on my own. Um, I, I've i tried. <laughs> Believe me, I've tried and I fail. Um, I fail miserably or um, I am not the type of, person I want to be um, to my family and community. Um, It is only with God's help that I can, and God's grace, um, infinite measures of grace that I can, um, you know, have open hands and and seek to honor him um, with our lives. So to sum it up, I I would say um, God sees us, God knows us, God loves us, and um, to for us to fix our eyes on on him as we're walking the path of our life. Mm, amen. Well said. Chelsea, how can people find out more information about you and your book? So um, my website is chelseapattersonsoblick.com. And I think Call to Cold Fate is available wherever, wherever books are sold. Excellent. Well, we will make sure we have those links in the show notes. Before we go, though, I want to ask you some of our favorite Bible study tool questions I think people wait for here. So what Bible is your go-to Bible and what translation is it? I use an ESV Bible. Um, I actually um, got a new one a couple years ago. My old one, the cover had fallen off. Um, So I I have a, a newer fresher bible but esv and um i i kind of use two at the same time i have a large esv study bible and then a smaller one that um i keep you know on my desk with me at all times but Mm. yeah i use both almost daily oh that's awesome yeah the esv study bible is Mm -hmm. um really good okay excellent okay do you have any favorite journaling supplies or anything that you like to use to enhance your bible study experience you know, I work through, um, and I, I probably don't do this as much as I would like to at all, but I work through actually in the evenings, a, a series of, of questions, um, it more like a end of the day close out, but, um, I feel like in the morning it's, I'm, you know, fresh, I 
pray. But in the evenings, I'll try to journal out, you know, where did I see God in my day? What am I um, grateful for that the Lord did in this day? What are moments of frustration that I'm bringing to prayer? Um, I think um, the practice is called a daily examen, but I'm working through kind of a, a, and I um, just use a little moleskin notebook for that, but that I kind of go through the series of questions um, and the the way I end it every evening or the evenings I do it very imperfectly, but the evenings I do it is what promise or scripture am I clinging to this day? Um, And that's really helpful for me to close my day that way. Um, You know, it really helps me um, go into the evening well, but also entrust what happened that day, the good and the bad back to God. I love that. Lastly, what is your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? I love the Dwell app. Um, I love listening to um, listening to the Bible. And I actually, I've read through the Bible in a year before, but I'm doing read through the Bible in two years right now, just because I changed jobs last year. I stepped into motherhood, the book released. I knew life was going to be very full Um, and I'm not surprisingly in behind, but I've been listening to the Bible um, as I'm getting ready in the morning. And that's really, really um, helpful and encouraging to me um, that, you know, what matters is not that I stay on a plane. What matters is that the word of God is in my head and my heart. And so, Mm. yeah, I love the, the dwell out. Oh my goodness. Um, people who listen to this podcast are going to think that, you know, they're like, um, <laughs> that we're telling everybody to say that, but oh, the, the dwell app is, it's not good. It is great. And in fact, this morning I was on it and I noticed too, they have a chronological Bible that they will read oh, to you. So I've done that once where I've read it in a book, but I think it would be really cool to have that read to you too. So, all right. Dwell app, great app. Chelsea, thank you so much for being here today, just to shine a light on how we can flourish in our work and glorify God, no matter where our workplace is or what we are doing. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was a great conversation. And for our listeners, be sure and pick up a copy of Chelsea's book, Called to Cultivate, for deeper insight into today's topic. We will have the link in the show notes. We love you all. Thank you so much for listening. If you would leave a review for our podcast, we would appreciate it so much, and it would help us be able to continue putting the podcast together. Have a blessed day.